Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that tackles some tough topics most of the time, but some of the times we have some easygoing and fun topics. And today is one of those. Uh, I'm not having much fun, however, because I'm having some technical difficulties. So our guest is still trying to get on the line. And uh, as soon as she arrives, I will let you know so that we can uh, talk directly with her. Meanwhile, we have uh, a topic today that I think it, it certainly is of interest to me, and I suspect it's of interest interest to a lot of women. You know, when I was a young woman, people were not supposed to travel alone, especially women. You were supposed to go in groups. You were supposed to go with friends. And it's always much more fun, I think, to go with a group that you are having a good time with. But it's also sometimes pretty fun to strike out on your own and to do something a little different. Today, our guest is Marion Marbury. She is a person who has kind of a colorful history. She started taking women on travel, exotic travel, adventure trips. Now, when we say adventure trips, what we mean is not just, oh, I'm going to go on an airplane and I'm going to go stay at the uh, Hilton and I'm going to go around the city. What we're talking about with adventure is we're striking out. Maybe we're going kayaking. Maybe we're bicycling through Europe. Maybe we're going on a safari in Africa. Adventure tours. And recently there's been a large increase in adventure tours for women. Now, I did a little bit of research about adventure tours for women, and I thought, well, why would you go on groups if you were all by yourself and you didn't know anybody? Well, the fact is I would. I would do that. Not only do you have an opportunity to travel with other people who may be more familiar with the environment, but you also have an opportunity to meet some new folks and see exactly uh, what kinds of things are going on for you in the world and uh, getting a chance to meet others, going with them. And our guest, uh, Marion, if we ever get her on the line here, has had a successful time. She spent 12 years taking women on tours, groups of women, on adventure travel. She went to South America, Latin America, Africa, kayaking, boating, um, bicycling, uh, just anything that you think would be pretty tough. Um, the uh, uh, tours were that she led. And so what she has done with Adventure Tours is she did that for 12 years as a tour guide. And then the company that she worked for um, went, either went under or closed for whatever reason, and she decided she was having way too much fun to just stop that. So she, in fact, started her own company. And her own company, I'm looking for the title of it right now, um, her own company was one in which she had the opportunity to not only design the tours, but to hire other women and to uh, make sure that uh, they had as good a time in exploring the world and doing things a little differently than what she normally has done, so or that that we would normally do individually. Her, the name of her company is Adventures in Good Company. I'm going to their website right now, and one of the things that they do w- that really appealed to me is that first of all they say right off the top, adventure travel for women of all ages. And so it's not just a young woman's game, it's anybody. So if you're looking for something fun to do with your sister, your mother, your best friend, your partner, or even if you're traveling by yourself and looking for a group of like-minded women to join in, um, this is one of the companies you can go to. And some of the things that they have done are hiking Scotland's Highlands, hiking in Wales. They do a lot of hiking. They've also had um, tours where they do uh, backpacking and kayaking and rafting, multi-sport, which I'm not quite sure that is, but riding. Um, I'm assuming um, that they mean bicycling, and uh, um, but maybe animals. We'll find out. The, some of their destinations have been Africa, Asia, Canada, Europe, 
Latin America, throughout the United States. They, one of them that interests me is that they have done the U.S. National Parks, and they've done some uh, traveling there and organizing tours there. So that's kind of cool. They've been to the uh, American West, and they also do custom trips where you can organize your own travel adventure through them and with them. So uh, that's that's kind of uh, uh, interesting to me, and uh, it looks like we um, uh, are not going to get Marion on the line. So this is going to be another short show. We're having some problems with connecting with her. But before I end the show early, I do want to say that when I was researching the show, and hopefully we can get Marion on again, um, I, I came across some wonderful wonderful organizations that help with travel for women. Now, one of the things that I think of when I think of travel is I have a tight budget. So it's all well and good to find an organization or find a company that has marvelous travels. I've always wanted to do one of the Smithsonian travel hikes, for example, but that's just not within my budget. So one of the things that... um, I have done and have learned to do is to find out how to travel cheap. And uh, one of the things that I do is to just get on the web and uh, go through some of the the travel offers that are out there and um, just see what what there is out there that is reasonably priced and um, that you can do either individually or with a, a couple of people. So um, one of the things that I have done is become an expert on the uh, different websites that we have for for folks. And um, if you are interested in traveling, whether it's as a group or as an individual, there are a million websites out there. The problem, of course, is evaluating them. So if you're going to do some traveling, I would suggest that you talk with other people who have used that service or who have done um, that particular company. Now, the thing that was interesting to me about Marianne and what Marianne is doing is the women's travel adventure. I was explaining to my adult son about what the show was going to be today, and he said, why, why wouldn't you want to travel with men around? And I think that's probably a pretty good question, but I think even men sometimes want to just travel with with their own kind, so to speak. So um, I think there's value in that. And I know when I have traveled, perhaps, um, you know, doing more physical things, um, sometimes I have an idea. If I'm going to go for a bike ride, I'm going to go ride here, I'm going to go ride there, and I'm going to see this. But if you go with... Um, um, a lot of other people, sometimes their expectations are, we're going to ride for 11 hours and we're going to climb this peak and we're going to do this. It would seem to me, and, and I was hopeful that we could ask Marion about this, it would seem to me that it would be a little bit more likely that your uh, skills, your uh, expectations would be um, more in kind, in light, you're you're more aligned with um, some um, some people who are your same gender. I'm sounding like I'm uh, uh, losing track of who I am here, and that's because I am. I am still trying to get hold of uh, Marion. So uh, let me try one more thing here, a different number that she has given me, and so we'll go there and we will see if we can get hold of her. I'm dialing right now. And hopefully we can get her on the line and know, again, some technical issues. So I apologize for that. And since I've been blathering on for 10 minutes here, um, let's do this. Let us see how we can get hold of Marion down the road. We'll reschedule the show, and we'll plug it back in in this uh, time slot. So what I'll do is I'll get Marion. We'll record the show during the week, and we will get it plugged back into this time slot so that you can check it out, and you can go to the, uh, the archive on the website, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash three women three ways and we will have a good show with Marianne and a good conversation something other than me blathering for 10 minutes uh, telling you about my technical difficulties so again we've had def- technical difficulties we're going to have to try and do something about that I apologize to our listeners but be aware that we will record the show with Marion, and uh, I'm getting um, beeps from her so maybe um, we can uh, figure out how to get her on 
Um, and nope, not happening. So um, what we will do is we will record this show with her, and we will come back to do this show, and we will uh, have it on the archive for you, and uh, we'll be able to uh, give you the information that Marianne was going to share um, with with us. Well, well, now wait a minute. I may actually have Marianne coming on the show here. And here we have it, finally. Marianne, are Hello? you there? Yes, Marianne, yes, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, yep, that was I'm here. Can you hear me? Ten minutes of me trying to figure out technical difficulties while I'm trying to talk to our listeners. So, uh, listeners, let, let me uh, tell you that when we uh, the show appears in the archive, I will edit out the first ten minutes so that you're not <laughs> listening to me blather. Um, and what we will do is we will start our show now. So, welcome, Marion. Welcome to the show. And I apologize for all the stick. You know, we had a similar situation a couple weeks ago. So I don't know whether it's the phase of the moon or you know what's going on with the technical difficulties, but I apologize for it. And let's start the show now. So, Marion, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. And uh, you, I should say, are Marion Marbury. You are president of Adventures in Good Company. And you started as a guide taking women to places like Africa, Asia, Latin America, and for adventure tours, not just travel, not just let's take a bus tour or let's uh, uh, book the flight and we'll fly over there and we'll stop at all the shopping stores and we'll um, have cocktails in the, in the lounge after, after we've stopped. <laughs> you're, you're talking adventure tours. So what is adventure tour and why would you want to do that just with women instead of a mixed group? Okay. Uh, great questions, Heather. And first of all, I think that the use of the word adventure has become so wide that it's really hard to know what why is something adventure. Are you there? Um, one oh. is that it is outdoors. <laughs> we lost you again, Marianne. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go, ma- you know, as soon as the show is over, I'm going to go make some, some uh, sacrifices to the uh, broadcasting gods and see if we can <laughs> take care of these issues down the road. But, again, your phone cut out. So um, you said that the, we left you where you said that the word adventures has become kind of adulterated. What does adventures well, mean become, in general? What does yeah. it mean to you? become really overused. I mean, whenever you see something described as an adventure cruise, you know it's overused. But but for me, <laughs> what it means is that it is it is outdoors. So, you know, it's it's primarily spending time out away from cities. It is active. So, it doesn't have to be climbing Kilimanjaro, but it can't be sitting on a bus unless you're going to your next trailhead. So it's always active in some way. And then for international, I think the third part is that there's a cultural part. There's a part of getting to know the people in the country where you are and not just traveling through them. So so that's what I think adventure travel is. And then why just for women? Well, um, I always say because we laugh a whole lot more. And, and truthfully, <laughs> I've guided both um, trips for men and women and trips for just women, and we do laugh more. And we connect more. Um, that When you're in a group of women, there's just a very non-competitive, supportive camaraderie that is harder when everybody's in couples. And a lot of times um, women will say, well, I used to go with, you know, X, Y, Z, but there would be like five couples and one other single woman and me, and I was tired of feeling left out. And when I go on trips that are just women, it's like we're all on an equal footing. We're all, you know, sometimes people come with friends for sure, but a lot of times they come by themselves because they don't have anybody else to travel with or their friend's idea of a great vacation is going to the beach and, you know, drinking margaritas. Um, And they don't have other women who want to go off and challenge themselves or see new things or just feel a little bit more on the edge than you might feel during a typical more mass market vacation. Does that, does that answer the question? Well, and, 
And I think I, I, I'm a single woman, and so I've, I have experienced that when I'm traveling. I don't usually feel like a third wheel because I just don't. You know, I, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just don't. Yeah. I don't buy into that. Um, but it does, you know, I mean, when it seems like the whole world is paired up when you're not. And it does make a difference. But even with uh, the couples that I know, sometimes I, I think of several years ago, I was um, uh, skiing, in the, uh, cross-country skiing in some backcountry, and I came across this kind of little parking area. And the parking area was filled with these snowmobile trailers and the trucks that they brought. You know. So in other words, this whole party had gone out snowmobiling. And it was kind of dusk, and so they were coming back and loading up their snowmobiles. And so they were all wearing their little grown-up snowsuits and you know, getting their snowmobiles packed on. And they were all couples. And I looked at those women and I thought, I wonder how many of these women would be doing this if it weren't for their husbands. Well, that's fine, mm-hmm. except I wonder how many of the husbands are going antiquing next weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it struck me that when you're part of a couple, oftentimes, not always, of course, but oftentimes you tend to do more of what, what, what he wants to do than what you want to do. And if you're not well, traveling, it's not uncommon. Couple, yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I mean we actually have a fair number. We actually have uh-huh. a fair number of women on our trips whose husbands either can't get away from work, have absolutely no interest in doing what their wives want to do. You know, they would rather go by at the beach with a margarita. Um, and they feel more comfortable when their wives are with a group of women than they're with a co-ed group. So, it's you know it's not always the guys who want to do the hardcore stuff. Sometimes it's the women who want to, and their husbands who don't. Yeah, that's true. Well, now when you say hardcore, how hardcore? Because I was looking at some of these, thinking, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that, and then I thought, I don't know if I could, you know, like ride a bicycle up Kilimanjaro anymore. I mean, I just don't know that I could do that. <laughs> uh, does, it, does it have to be? I mean, do you have to be a triathlete to do adventure travel? Yeah, um, you know, I shouldn't have used that word um, because we do, while we do have some very challenging adventures like hiking up Kilimanjaro or trekking to Everest Base Camp or trekking on the Via Denerica, we also have lots and lots of – most of our trips, actually, we no longer do any camping um, just because – most people are really interested if they are having a great hike during the day. They like coming back to good dinner, a nice glass of wine, and a hot shower at the end of the day. So we have Bingo. more of our trips are like that than than what I would consider hardcore. So thank you for clarifying. Well, that's that. interesting because I, you know, I used to be my daughter's Girl Scout leader, and and. <laughs> And everybody would go, oh, let's go camping. And I'd say, you know, the day that they we can camp out at the Red Lion is the day I'll take you camping, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> we're going to do this other right, – here, right. go tie some knots, okay? <laughs> so it's, yeah. that's good to know, uh, you know, because uh, you can go out and you can do something adventuresome and, and you know, and, and physically challenging and not want to sleep mm-hmm. in the middle of a tent at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I would say the vast majority of probably both women and men feel that way. And, um, yeah, I actually, I, I love coming back to a good dinner, a nice glass of wine, and a hot shower. So, yeah. 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 Emphasis on that hot shower for me. I, <laughs> I don't like feeling like that. <laughs> on so, the other hand, I, if you want to do something like climb Mount Kilimanjaro, it's like, yes, that's going to involve no shower, camping, you know, and all of that. So it's just, it's really, I think everybody needs to define their what adventure means for them, what it is that they enjoy, you know, whether the challenge that they want to take on is worth the discomfort. So it's just a, yeah, it's just a personal choice. Yeah. So when, for, let me get some statistics here. How many women go on these adventures? How many do you take on these um, adventures? On an, yeah. say an annual so basis. Our group size. Yeah. Okay. So an annual basis about 900. Oh, okay. So All right. Small. And how large I mean, we are, are the group? We are a small company. Uh-huh. Well, uh, that the smallest is me. eight. 
Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Um, the smallest group that we have is eight, and then the most of our trips are between 10 and 14, and then we have one trip in Belize where there are 22 people, and it feels like summer camp for adults. Um, but that's that's just because of the particular situation of that trip. Or we take 16 to a dude ranch. Most of our trips are between 10 and 14, and we offer about 70 trips a year. Wow. Do you do winter trips? I mean, to winter places? Um, you know, we, we used to do a lot more. I always joke that I I sort of grew up the day I realized that not everybody wanted to go dog sledding in the winter. So we do <laughs> still have, um, I think, really just one winter trip to a winter destination, and then we have lots of warm weather trips during the winter. Because I, I have to tell you, one of the funnest vacations I ever had, I, I had no money, and, and I wanted to take a trip with my kids to give them a little, you know, R&R. And the only thing that I could afford was to go to Fairbanks in January. Because <laughs> it was much cheaper in Fairbanks in January, you know. <laughs> they, you get really good deals in Fairbanks in January. And, and so we went to Fairbanks in January, and it was a wonderful time. And we found that we had, um, we, I mean, we had a lot of things that we did that we wouldn't have been able to do, afford otherwise. Because I, I remember that, like, we, we were going to go take this little um, car or, or whatever you call it, this little bus thing, um, and go up a little bit on the, the um, northern Alaskan highway. And um, we were the only ones there. So instead of doing that, they put us on an, on a, um, in with a, a guide who was going back to Coldfoot, Alaska, where the, the, the year-round population is like 40. And he had come mm-hmm. down to Fairbanks mm-hmm. to spend Christmas with his family. So he was driving back to Coldfoot. And so they just put us in the car with him, and we drove, and we stopped wherever we wanted. My kids got to walk across the the frozen, you know, Yukon. I mean, you know, I mean, it was just wonderful. Wow. And then they put us on a supply airplane to come back. So we flew all the way wow. here. I mean, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was great experience. We got to look down and see all the little Athabascan villages and everything. So that was actually a wonderful trip. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like winter travel. So, okay, I diverge because I got so excited about Fairbanks, Alaska. But <laughs> when you take – so do you do any winter stuff or do you not? Um, we have one trip that has dog sledding and cross-country skiing. And then I just remembered we do have a trip to Iceland in March. And we pick uh-huh. March because it's the month that you're most likely to see northern lights. But, yeah. but you know, there was one year we had two trips running back to back. And the first trip we had great weather. We did everything we were planning to. And the second trip they had a blizzard. And they ended up having a great time, but not the itinerary that we planned. So that is one of the other issues with winter trips is that you're, you know, you need to be able to cancel it at the last moment because weather can get in the way. So we don't, that's one of the reasons that we just don't do very many um, winter trips to winter destinations anymore. Yeah. Well, of course you can get bad weather in the summer too, depending on where you're heading to. Um, So where do you go in the world? I mean, if I wanted to go to Costa Rica with you, is that a possibility? Yes. Um, uh, This year, 2017 we went to Costa Rica next year we are going back to Panama and to Nicaragua the year after that we'll do Costa Rica again so we there are some destinations that we go every year and some destinations that we alternate so for example Scotland we go to Scotland every year Um, we go to Italy every year we there I'm just trying to think where um where the other places are we go to switzerland every other year and we alternate the kinds of hiking trips that we do there we're going more and more to the balkan peninsula which is really an emerging destination i mean everybody's heard about croatia and of now everybody's heard about montenegro too if they read the current news but um yeah. but they're 
just wonderful countries there, Albania, Macedonia, Serbia, that offer really un, um, adventure travel that is not well-worn paths, which I really love, going someplace that has enough that you know that you have a comfortable place to stay, but not so much that you're elbowing other people's side. Another great destination, Bulgaria. Bulgaria is a fascinating country. It's really oh, cheap. Really? It's the countryside is be- yeah, because they're not on the euro yet. They're part of the European uh, Union, but they still have their own currency. So they're a really great bargain destination. Wonderful people. Fantastic food. Some of the best food that I've had. Um, and then we also usually alternate going to Bhutan, which is where we're going this year, and Nepal. Uh, we'll go in 2018 again. Um, and then we we have a trip in Tanzania, uh, which this year is just a wildlife a walking safari. Um, other years we've done climbing Kilimanjaro and combined that with a safari. Um, and we... Um, yeah, we're, this year we're going to Wales. That's a new destination for us. Fantastic country, which most people really have no idea um, of anything about the history or the topography. Um, I went to a we sheep sale do... in Wales. <laughs> Are you going to throw the, in the any what? sheep sales? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, I it, we're going it, to it was sheep. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, no, I so would yeah, imagine anything I, like that is really really fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And, you know, for me, the beauty of travel is what you were talking about is actually meeting some of the people. Although I've got to say, the Welsh people are not particularly warm and fuzzy. Not in my experience. (laughs) Is that different for you? I did not find that. I did not find that at all. You know, really? I think I, maybe if you're part of a of a large group, um, but I found them. Um, I went over there actually to look at just to check a couple last things for our trip and to meet our Welsh guide, and we hit it off to the extent that she invited me home for dinner. Um, oh wow! So I I found them incredibly welcoming. Yeah, huh. I just wonder what well, part of those you I were didn't... in. Yeah, well, I just went across, I mean, I can't remember. I went up to Abergavenny and stuff like that, but um, I went across, you know, the butterfly uh, forest and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, they weren't mean, but they just were not particularly warm and fuzzy. (laughs) And I actually asked somebody um, during the trip, I said, you know, I'm kind of surprised because, you know, you go to Ireland, people are just falling all over themselves being nice to you and friendly. Um, And... The the woman said, well, we don't particularly like the English, and since the Americans are kind of like the English, <laughs> we're just not throwing out the welcome mat. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not English, what? really, seriously. <laughs> yeah, they really do so. have a bad history with the English, so I can understand yeah. that, but it just isn't what <laughs> I, I, I must have appeared. So. I must have that, that English peaches and cream complexion or something. Yeah, that's what we'll call it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. Um, uh, when you say, though, walking uh, tour or hiking tour, how strenuous is this? So we rate all of our trips um, based on the number of hours you can expect to do the activity, whether it's hiking or kayaking. Um, so, And we have somewhere... You know, maybe you're hiking probably not for less than two hours, but you might like hike for two hours and then go do something else and then go do something else. We have some trips where they are pure hiking trips. You're going to be hiking for, you know, five to eight hours a day. It's going to be in the mountains. Um, and it's really for people who are quite fit. Now, not they don't have to be triathletes. Like, I'm a great example of somebody who is not particularly athletic, but I can do anything that just requires endurance and training. Um, and and that's, I think, most of our trips are suitable for active women. I mean, we don't have trips for people who basically don't do very much in their lives. Uh, and I think that's one of the things I was saying about what adventure travel is. It's being active. Um, but you don't we have some people who their preparation is 
going for a walk every evening. And for some of our trips, that's just fine. And for other trips, they will have trouble with uh, um, the requirements. So it's just picking the trip, really making sure you understand the itinerary and picking the one that fits your fitness level. Okay. All right. What about um, going to the different countries? I mean, are there some, I mean, you said Nepal, and so I immediately thought, well, that one's probably going to be, you know, high altitude, heavy duty, you know, uh, climbing or something. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. So does some of it just kind of depend on the country? I mean, Wales, you know, I mean, you know, you're probably not, it certainly can't compare, you know, um, as far as altitude with with, uh, uh, Nepal. So does it kind of no, depend absolutely. on the country? Yeah, it depends on the country. I mean, with with Wales, um, there's definitely there's, you know, one day where I think you hike about four or five hours, but there are a lot of other days where you're hiking a shorter distance and you're visiting castles or museums or you're going to a uh, demonstration of, of sheepdogs being herded. Um, so it's, Usually, we can mix in some cultural things, and not cultural like, you know, an art museum or a, um, um, you know, sort of, I, I don't mean like, I mean cultural that gives you a sense of the people and the history and how they live. Um, mm. So, I think that most of the time when people go to another country, they don't just want to hike through the countryside. They want... and. I mean, for sure they want to eat the food, but they want to have a sense of what the country is about. Um, We don't spend time in cities. A lot of times we'll start in a city and we'll say, you know, if you want to, like our our trip to Italy, it starts in Florence. We have a half-day tour and we say, if you want to go to all the amazing things in Florence, come a day early or stay late after the trip because that's just not what we offer. Okay. Um, what about cost for things like this? I mean, that has to be pretty expensive. I, like I said, I I do cheap travel, and so I usually just kind of go on my own. Um, but you know, when you go with um, a, a group like this, where it's so well planned out, and there's so much that people do for you, certainly that has to be expensive, isn't it? It is. It is. I would say when I look at um, other companies, we are not the cheapest, but we are far from the most expensive. Um, But, you know, Heather, I often joke that it was up until the last few years, I wouldn't have been able to afford going on our trips. Um, (laughs) So that for that for many people, it's for many people, either they have the disposable income um, that allows them to prioritize, you know, if they prioritize travel and for whatever reason they have disposable income, it's within their means. Um, and if, but if they don't, then yes, then they look at our trips and go, why are they so expensive? I can't possibly afford that. And it's like, yeah, um, I totally understand that. And nobody in our company is getting rich. It just takes a lot yeah. of effort to put our trips together and um and nobody is volunteering so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah people always have these silly things like mortgages and gas bills and you know they they're funny about that they want to pay those you know I, that, <laughs> that's been my experience anyway and, <laughs> and so, people think um, people okay. think guiding is a paid vacation but you know guiding is actually it's a lot of work and we demand a lot of our guides so we're not going to say and in return for not getting paid, you get this all-expense-pay trip to wherever because they're going to be working. Anyway, that's yeah, yeah. That's my, anyway, well, and aside. it is hard work. I mean, anybody who's planned even their own vacation knows how, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of effort and work. And if you're doing it for yourself, well, then, you know, you're you're fine with that work. But if you're doing it for, you know, a whole crowd of people, and, I mean, there's logistics and there's, you know, uh, I imagine that everybody has to go out and check everything out before they go at least once. And, you know, things are expensive. I, I can certainly appreciate why it's so, you know, why it costs a lot. But clearly people are getting enough back, you know, bang for their bucks if they're willing to keep coming back and to keep doing this. One of the things that you mentioned was comparing comparing with other companies like this. Why is there such an uptick? I mean, I was kind of surprised when I started doing the little Google thing of how many women's mm-hmm. adventure vacations uh, companies that there are. 
Um, why do you, why do you, why is that? Do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like we're back in a phase where we were about ten years ago, where a lot of the bigger companies are going. Oh, adventure travel for women is booming. We'll start adding these trips. And and this was true. I remember this happened like in around 2005. All of a sudden, there were all these companies that basically had been doing a certain kind of travel and added these on. And they all stopped after a couple of years because they weren't very successful in attracting women who wanted, you know, whose interest was in traveling with other women. But I think you're seeing that again um, just in the last couple of years. I think that the reason is that um, a major part of who travels with us are women who are either close to or in retirement. And that's an increasing number, as we all know. Baby boomers are hitting that retirement age. Um, and they have the income from having worked um, or maybe from their spouse having worked, whatever. And they're they're reaching an age where they go, um, you know, it's time for me to do something that I really want to do. We also have, we have a lot of women who start traveling with us after their kids go away to college, or especially after their kids graduate from college, so they have money again. Um, and, and <laughs> if they're reason, lucky, a lot of those kids are coming back home. That's <laughs> right. Um, but a lot of women just find an all women's group is just so much fun. And it's, you know, a lot of times people go, I've never done anything like this before. This is, you know, but it's a, if you've never traveled before, you're a little bit less self-conscious if everybody, you know, if you're just in a single sex group um, and you try it once and you go, oh my God, this is like traveling with a group of friends. Because that's what it feels like after the first, you know, two hours and people are, you know, sharing their lives and exchanging tips and um, just the, the camaraderie that develops in an all women's group is, you know, it's just, it's really amazing to me. And I, I would say and for me, it's, it's funny the to part me that, that I like that. best. Well, that's, and it's funny to me that you're saying that because that's been my experience in life. I mean, yes, I've met some stinky people of both genders, you know, blah, blah, blah. But my experience with groups of women is that we bond. We know how to bond, and we do it. And, yes, sometimes mm-hmm. there's falling out. Sometimes there's, you know. But we, we, we have so much commonality. Most women have children, want children, or raise children. I mean, um, most women have similarities that are so strong that it outweighs any differences in economics or, you know, political philosophy or, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I've just seen that over and over again in my own personal experience. And yet it astounds me how sometimes even young women, I will say something about, well, I like to, you know, to go with groups of women. I like my, my, my women friends. And they'll kind of go, oh, you know, that, but women can be this or women can be that. And I'm going, really? Because I'm a little long in the tooth and I really quite frankly, have not experienced that in my life. So it's kind of delightful for me to hear you say, uh, you know, about groups of women getting together, because I think it is contrary to the popular assumption about groups of women. Well, what's interesting to me about the younger generation is I think they actually are quite different from the people who are 10 or, or 20 years older. And that, that attitude that you described, I think it's gone. I think women oh, are going, what? you know, girl power, the the fun of being in all women's groups and I I just I love the energy I'm seeing in the young generation and the understanding whether they want to call themselves feminists or not, I don't really care at all. They have an assumption of equality of their place in the world that really is refreshing. So, you know, I I I really think that that old stereotype that my generation suffered with and I as we discussed I am long the tooth like you but that our generation <laughs> suffered with that the next generation suffered with that has really disappeared in the young in the millennials so at least that's my experience oh, really? with them. well that's good Do you have maybe somebody gave them a trophy for that <laughs> Maybe somebody gave you a trophy for that. <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, millennial listeners. That was just a little old old lady joke. <laughs> um, and I want to say, millennials, you... you're my favorite group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, um, one of the things that um, I wanted to ask you when I was looking at this is that there is a lot of competition out there. And some of the websites that I looked at um, were more like you were talking about it initially, that they were talking adventure, but it was adventure with a glass of wine in your hand kind of thing. And then there were some of them that were like, whoa, you know, forget to forget to bring the makeup, just bring you, you know, <laughs> bring your cleats or whatever and, you know, the uh, how does somebody how does a woman know whether she's going to be signing up for something that's more than what she wanted as far as physical activity or less than what she wanted as far as getting out there and actually doing it how do you judge what what criteria do you look at when you're searching some of these organizations that are offering women's adventure mm-hmm. travel I think the first thing that you do is you read the website carefully because everybody in this business wants people to get on the kind of trip they're looking for. You know, that when I find somebody on one of our trips and they go, I have no idea it would be so hard. And, and I'm thinking, so 12 miles, a thousand feet elevation gain up and down the whole day. What did that not say to you that you would understand (laughs) that that was going to be a challenging day? But I think, so I think there are a couple of things. One is that sometimes if you've never hiked 12 miles, you don't understand. So it's just context. You know, it's like you don't know until you do it. It's like, oh, this is what this feels like, and I didn't want to do it. But so you should read the website really carefully. Look at the mileage. If you have any questions, call the company. Because any reputable company wants you to get on a trip that you just rave about so that you go home and tell all your friends about. They don't want to – it's not a short-term prospect like, well, I only care about getting her on this trip because they want repeat customers. Yeah. Well, and so um, they will help you. To me, yeah, it seems to me that also do, do you offer guidelines? If somebody says I'm going to sign up for that Nepal trip – where I'm going to be, you know, climbing 2,000 feet a day. I mean, do you offer them any kind of training suggestions or anything before the trip? How far ahead do you have to book this? Yeah, so we we actually, let me just say we do three things around that. One is that we all of our trips are rated on a scale of one to five. And if you look at the rating page, it says, this is the kind of physical preparation you should be doing to be ready for this trip. So that the general guideline, right? Because you might be doing all the physical activity, but if you've never walked on a rocky trail, that may feel much harder than you expected. So that's just a general guideline. The second thing is that we send out conditioning suggestions and we specifically say, you know, your trip is in three months. This is what we suggest that you do. And here's some, and it just depends on the rating of the trip. The third thing that we started doing on our website, if you sign up for a trip, there's a question about what do you do for exercise now? And there's a place where they spell that out. If we look at that and we're going, you know what, this does not seem like a good match for what we know this trip requires, we call them. And we say, hey, you know, we're really excited you're interested in this trip. Let's talk about what you're doing to get ready for it. So, like I said, it's really, it really, it is in our interest that everybody on that trip knows what, how to prepare and, and what they're preparing for. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Heather, at- if you sign up for, for example, if you sign up for climbing Kilimanjaro and you tell me you walk around the block, six days a week, I'm going to be calling you and saying, so Heather, let's talk about what you're going to need to do to get ready for this Kilimanjaro trip. And is this realistic given the fact that you currently walk around the block? So, Yeah. Well, maybe it's a big block, okay? <laughs> it's a country and it's block, San okay? <laughs> and there is one hill in it, and I struggle a bit with that, but I do it. I do it, okay? I think I'm ready for Kilimanjaro. I really do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what special skills, um, other than just some endurance, do you recommend for women when they choose a trip? What Do they need to look at, okay, I really like to bicycle, so therefore I'll do a bicycle trip, or do you suggest they try something different? You know, that's so individual. I, you know, to me, if somebody knows that they are an avid cyclist and they love it, they should 
they should pick a bicycling trip. I, I mean, that's my, you know, I, I love doing everything, but particularly I love hiking. And when I pick my own vacation, it's going to be a hiking trip. So I don't think there's any should about it. Now, what I will say is that a lot of times people haven't developed a specific passion. And we have a number of trips where um, we'll do some kayaking, some snorkeling, some hiking, some stand-up paddle boarding. Some, you know, so there's, there's what we call multi-sport trips where uh-huh. you get to try a little bit of everything. And those are very popular. That would be fun. You do snorkeling trips. Wow, that would be cool. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I, I'm assuming that that's in warmer water areas. It, this is really, we go to Belize because it's like one of the best snorkeling places in the world. And then we also have a trip on um, in the U.S. Virgin Islands that has some snorkeling. So we don't have any trip that's pure, like all you do is snorkel. But we do have trips where you're doing kayaking <laughs> you and snorkeling. That. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should do that. I think you should plan a snorkeling around the world. I mean, just because of the way it sounds, I think it would be. <laughs> Snorkel your way around the world. I, 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 think you could, I, I think that has legs, Marion. I really do. I think that people would go for that one. <laughs> I'm going to hire you to market you. it, Heather. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> on a contingency basis. <laughs> That's right. Oh, dear. Well, let as long as we're kind of having uh, some fun here, let's talk about. Tell me about your biggest disasters. Oh, you know, I one of the. I know this. I know this sounds disingenuous, but the reality is. I'm not the kind of person who remembers my biggest disasters. Um, I, you know, it's like I've never had anybody die. That, you know, that to me would be a really big disaster. I have, there have been times where people have broken an ankle and we have evacuated them successfully. Um, There hasn't been a time where we got someplace and there were no hotel reservations. I mean, we, you know, it's like we've never had our arrangements completely fall through at the last moment. Um, there, I think there was one trip. Oh, there was one trip where two days, two days before the trip started, the guide ended up in the hospital. And Ooh. even though it turns out she would have been able to go, we just couldn't know that we had to cancel the trip. Um, so I think that may be the only time we have ever had a last minute cancellation of a trip. Um, we've had, had just thinking of the last time that I went to Switzerland and we were doing a hiking trips in the Alps and there were two days that we were supposed to go over high passes and the weather was just too bad. So we had to take the train around to our next hotel, but that's not really a disaster, right? That's just how it is. No. That's, that's yep. adventure yep. travel. Um, so, okay, then tell yeah, me I mean, about the silliest complaint you ever had. Uh, well, anytime somebody said the weather wasn't what I expected, <laughs> I'm going to put that in like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, all right then. Um, uh, um, or, or it's me, this isn't a silly complaint, but. But the thing that occasionally happens is that people, despite what we might have put in our literature, they don't understand that the country is not going to, um, it's not going to run by American standards. And that, Uh, you know, if we say, if we say we're going to have two hours to spend at the temple and then it turns out that there's a traffic jam and we're just stuck in traffic for an hour and a half, that's just how it is. I'm just thinking, actually, I was just thinking about a trip to India where, you know, India is a challenging country, challenging country to travel in. Nothing, things unexpectedly happen. And um, longer than you think and then you have less time than you think. And it was it was just 
people who cannot be flexible, who cannot just accept things as they are, really are not good candidates for adventure travel because by its nature, you, you just have to take things as they come and be flexible. And if you look at yourself and you go, nope, I'm not okay with that, then there's tons of travel where it can all be pretty regimented and that's what you would enjoy more. So, you know, so partly it's people not understanding the nature of adventure travel. But where I was going with that before I got off on that tangent was that if you go to Spain, restaurants are not going to serve you dinner at 6.30. They're not even going to be open at 6.30. They're not even going to start serving until 8. And that's only if we have prearranged that they will start serving at 8. So it's that, you know, it's like, it's just like if you go to a restaurant in Baltimore, which is where I live, and you walk in at 10.30 and go, I'd like a full-course dinner, they're going to go, I'm sorry, we closed 15 minutes ago, right? They're not, going to, they're not going to flex because you're from Spain and you don't ever have dinner until 10.30. Sure. It's, it, so it's, it's important to know the local customs and just to understand that if you can't eat a big meal at 9 o'clock, what you should do is eat a plate away when that great meal comes at 9. So, yeah, yeah. those aren't silly. Those yeah, are just, that- you know incorrect expectations yeah i had my father-in-law was one of those people who loved everything right on time he you know he loved switzerland and he loved disneyland (laughs) 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 because everything he loved disneyland because there was never a piece of trash that was visible everything just was clockwork and that's why he loved switzerland you know i and it's so funny because to me i sit there and i go but Where's the fun in that? You know, <laughs> what do you mean? I got to the train station thirty seconds late, and the train is moving away. I mean, really? <laughs> so you, you know, I, I have to people. say, once you adjust to that, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. There are those people, for, like my father-in-law. Who thought, you know, boy, that was just that was heaven. You know. Um, and it's so funny. I just put those two together now, by the way, the the fact that he loved Disneyland and that he loved Switzerland. But it's true. I mean, Disneyland really does, you know, it's, it's clockwork, you know. Uh, right. But anyway, I tend to be a little bit more freewheeling. I would love to do one of your adventures, but I don't think I'm physically fit enough to do it. I think I would get, you know, I mean, I, I think my my every other day hour on the elliptical trainer wouldn't prepare me for a whole lot. <laughs> so... What would you, be a good, you're, a good, you're on the elliptical. Are you on the yeah, elliptical for an hour right. every other day? Yeah. Oh, I, I would say well, that I'll most only do of our for like trips would be fine. Minutes and then I'll go over to the bicycle, but the stationary bicycle or whatever. But that's that's about it, you know. And Heather, that you would be suitable for, for the majority. You would know. I, I totally, I totally beg to differ. I, you know, I was saying that our trips are rated on. Um, one to five, you would be great for any trip up to three. And I would say a trip four with just a little bit additional to what you do now. And um, the trips that are, that I always say, I like, I go to the gym personally, I go to about six days a week and I work out between depending on the day, 30 and 45 minutes a day. And I can do any trip rated three. If I am going to do a trip rated four, I add some specifically some squats and lunges and some hiking to preparing for that a couple of months before the trip. Um, So yeah, I think you're underestimating what you could do. Huh? Well, I am woman, hear me roar. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, I'm looking at our time here, and we didn't talk about your personal life. What led you to doing this for a career? Um, you know, I have had a passion for the outdoors ever since I was little. Um, I think I, I grew up with my parents taking us up to the Adirondack State Park every year, and um, we, my uh, my great grandmother had this tiny cabin on this tiny, tiny, tiny island, and it was heaven. It still is, actually. It's still my favorite place in the world. And so, we, you know, we do swimming and hiking and canoeing. So being in the outdoors was actually, I would say, a bigger interest than international travel up until I was in my 40s. 
Um, I was happier backpacking or canoe camping or just going off into the wilderness. And then I discovered international travel and meeting other cultures and seeing how people live differently. Um, And I am fascinated by other people, whether they're Americans or not Americans. I love hearing people's stories and the stories that you hear when you travel internationally are just, you know, you just hear different kinds of stories. And, and, um, and I loved learning about world history and geography and getting beyond the newspapers. And, and honestly, once you've been to a country, you never look at it. So anyway, so I would say that was really the, the passion for outdoors and, um, as the primary motivator. And I wanted to be, I wanted to make my living in the outdoors in my twenties and there really wasn't a way to do that. Um, so I went to PA school and physician assistant school so that I could be the medical person on expeditions and then just sort of lost track of why I had gone in the first place. And I was a physician assistant and then I moved on to graduate school and I was an epidemiologist, um, but it really wasn't until I moved to Minnesota and there was a company there called Woods Woman and they had a guide training program that I said, you know, this is the time to find out if this is just a fantasy that I would love to make a living in the outdoors or whether this is something that really is what I want to do. So I had training, then I started guiding with them and I said, you know what, this is something I love. I love this more than anything I've ever done in my life. So that was, and then when they went bankrupt, I went, well, just because I know absolutely nothing about running a business since I only know research and medicine, it's like I can figure it out. So that was how that was how the company well, started. Well, clearly you have. <laughs> clearly you mm-hmm. have. <laughs> and it's been an adventure. <laughs> yeah, and if somebody wants to follow you, your footsteps, if they want to become an outdoor guide, any quick ideas of what she might do um, to, to get there? Yeah, I think that right now there's been a sort of a growth in programs like you can go to college and get your degree in outdoor education or, you know, wilderness skills that which was not true in the in the 70s. Um, But the thing that I always emphasize is getting a lot of personal experience Um, that if something goes wrong, it would be really great if you had dealt with it before you're dealing with it with a group so that you have that confidence that comes from feeling really comfortable in the outdoors. And then I think anything that improves your group skills, your leadership skills, your um, learning how to work with groups in a way that supports them in what they want to do as opposed to, you know, being an autocrat and telling people what to do. Um, Those are the two. And, And then I would also say, a lot of people think they want to guide because they love being outdoors. And what you quickly find is that if you do not love people, if you don't genuinely, if you're not really interested in people, you won't enjoy guiding because you spend, you don't, you're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what people in your group combine that love of the outdoors, solid skills and a love of people and working in groups. And people can be annoying. People can be a challenge. Um, uh, you know, they can also be wonderful, but um, it, it is it does take certain skills and certain personality traits to work with people, especially in groups. Um, mm-hmm. And I was about to, mm-hmm. to say, I don't know if it's different working with groups of men or groups of women. I suppose that it might be different, but basically it's people are people. And um, I think that it, it it would be, for me, I would think having a sense of humor would have to be pretty useful. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would say the major difference, because I've worked with both co-ed and, and all women's groups, is that when when I'm guiding men, I have to prove myself. And I have to, so I have to make, I have to be very intentional in asserting my authority and my knowledge right at the beginning. Whereas with women, they assume that you're competent. And then if you blow it, you know, you may have to like, work to get over that but they assume that if you are there guiding them it's because you know what you're doing and men just don't have that assumption about a lot of women 
at least in our generation. Well, that, I think that's a great point to end with. And, Marion, sorry to, for all the technical difficulties at the beginning, but I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed having you on the show. I end the show with a quote every week. This one is from Helen Keller. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Thank you for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you, Marion, for being with us. And that is Adventures in Good Company. Thank you for joining us. Thanks Bye-bye. so much, Heather. Yeah, bye-bye.